welcome to Goods Conversations. My name is Sebastian Casanova, and today we're going to be talking to Omar about his help in the creation of SBBA and more. You're listening to Spotlight on Goods Conversations. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? I mean, tell us your year, the faculty you're in, where you call home, and, you know, something you're passionate about. Definitely. Um, So thank you for having me on today. Super honored and happy to be here. I'm currently going into my third year of the commerce program. I call Mississauga home and I rep it pretty hard. I'll frequently say it's the best city in the world, but I'm also extremely proud to be from Trinidad and Tobago. So both my parents were born there. And something I'm extremely passionate about, philosophy. Uh, I love to dance. I love theater and art and musicals and those types of things. And one day I aspire to make my own album. Why don't we, why don't we talk about your journey? Going into Queens, were you cognizant of the problems that existed in the program? Like, what was your journey in high school making that decision? You know, why were you like Queens is the school? I think I really value community. And I think that came through in high school. I was kind of running this regional youth council and I was like participating with extracurriculars as much as I could working a part-time job. Really just, I think like going after that senior year experience, I got the opportunity to go to QLEAD. And I think that was what made me want to come to this program um, because it helped me see the problems that in equity work that the program had. Um, I could immediately tell people were good and generally good intention, but just having so little representation in this space could like you could already identify from that stage that it was going to be something difficult to deal with. And that's not necessarily a fault of any particular individual, rather, I think a fault in the system. And seeing that, I think I realized this place won't get better until people who look like me, people who look like, you know, different identities and represent diverse identities enter this space, start actively fighting for that or start like vocalizing that need for representation and that need for, you know, inclusivity. So that really uh, drove me and attracted me to the program going to QLead. I think the, the biggest sound bite that I got at QLead was like, this program doesn't take take you on the basis of your grades. It takes you on the basis of the type of person you are. That statement was really attractive to me. But I like simultaneously, I also saw the problems and wanted to be a, a catalyst for positive change. That's what I wrote on my PSE. I still say that a lot. I want to be a, a catalyst for positive change um, in these halls. And I guess that's what, in terms of cognizance, I was cognizant. Quite a few people from my school got into Queens. And I know in our collective decision, the school's reputation on diversity and inclusion was something that played into our decision to accept or not to accept. And I'm the only person that went um, from my year that got into Queen's Commerce. Were you always interested in equity work, like even in high school? Or was it, you know, as you were applying, you, you fell in love with the school, but you were cognizant of the problems, you know? And then when you saw your friends, that they didn't accept. And were you thinking like, this is talent that Queens is missing out on. Were you thinking, this is a school that I love, that I want to go to, but what, like, what was going through your mind in that moment when they didn't accept? You know, is that what started your involvement in equity work? For me personally, I'd been told that this was a great program. So definitely seeing my friends actively choose to avoid it made me kind of, like, especially as someone who wanted friends coming into this program, like that I already knew. And a lot of people actively choosing to avoid it based on, you know, its reputation, specifically in this sphere, made it difficult for me to make this decision and be like, good and confident about it. But I also realized, like, it's kind of what I had to do. Like, I, I felt like I was very much acting out of my intuition. When I said, like, Queens is where I'm going, Queens is where I had to go. It was like, kind of like the equivalent of pushing all in. I knew this is where I was going. It wasn't like, 
out of a particular love for the school, I think I was very attracted to the statement that Queens does not judge you based on your numerical grade, but rather the type of person you are. That's an environment where like on a base level, you want to participate in it. When it's sold to you like that, it's very attractive. And in terms of seeing the problems, when I say I was cognizant of the problems, I was, but obviously being cognizant of them and experiencing them are two different things. So I would say the cognizance that I had was on a very surface level, whereas now like I'm probably a lot more poised to speak. The other thing is in terms of equity, definitely something I was interested in because of some experiences I had in high school. But I will say that like, I'm at a place where I'm still learning and growing every day. Like I always get not afraid, but like when people ask me to speak about equity, like I always want to give the asterisk or the caveat that like, this is to the best of my ability on my experiences, on my knowledge, like I'm still learning for sure. That being said, like where I was in high school probably wasn't even, I wouldn't have necessarily identified these problems as as equity related. I would say it was like a feeling more so at that point. Like it was like, oh, I can tell something feels off. And I remember constantly looking for upper years who were looked a bit more like me or like part of the QT BIPOC community to ask them like what their experiences were. I guess that's kind of, that's kind of like where I was. Like I was, I was actively seeking, I was like in, in the quote unquote like buyer's process or whatever. I was like in that stage of like seeking more information. So you've been through the, the two years where you were seeking information. That's what a lot of first years experience. That's a lot of what a lot of first years and second years will experience. It's kind of where am I? You know, it's like a deer in the headlights. So you you've had these two years of context. And today, now you you're you're speaking up and you're like you're saying you're you're in a position where you can be a catalyst for change. What involvement do you have today in equity work at Queens? Okay, cool. Um, so I guess on a high level, um, SBBA, so the Smith Black Business Association, then I'm also involved with the Smith Reform Movement, which is like a, I guess like a grassroots collective of students around, kind of grew out of the Stolen by Smith Instagram page to give the administration like more actionable recommendations about what, like how, how to improve. So that's something I'm also involved with. And like, I guess... I, under that umbrella, I what I've done is I've organized the mentorship program, which is for QT BIPOC students. I have helped a little bit with the alumni coordination. I have done some research around financial aid, and I've done some research around community support and student development. So those are the four umbrellas I worked on this summer under the Smith Reform. The thing that sprung these movements, the Black Lives Matter movement, was that, would you say, is what really capitulated forward into what we see today as Stolen by Smith, Reform Smith, SVBA. Do you think that these these clubs, these involvements that you're involved in right now would exist without the that first movement? How did they start out? Um, I guess like Black Lives Matter is something that like should always receive credit in these conversations. Like because I think they've done a really great job of keeping the spotlight on these issues, which is so important because like, it's so easy to, you know, forget that these things are going on, um, especially when they don't always receive the coverage they deserve. And Black Lives Matter has done a good job of keeping the spotlight on them. So I guess that's been like a catalyst for my own activism. SBBA was actually started by an incoming student named Julius. Mad credits to him, mad shout out to him because um, I think to be an incoming student and to be making moves and to be that catalyst for change already, real testament to him and his character. Victoria, who's a second year in the program or going into second year in the program, was also involved and they asked me to step in and I've been, I was so honored and humbled and I'm excited by what we're going to be doing there. But I would credit 
that catalyst as being Julius, um, an incoming student. Through the couple of months I've worked with him, fantastic person. And I'm really excited to see what he does in the program as well. So there, there's a lot to discuss here. You know, there's a lot to talk about. So why don't we start with the QT BIPOC mentorship group that you started through Reform Smith? Why, why mentors? Why did you choose that avenue? Was that a significant thing in your life? Why, why that, that concept, that idea? Funny enough, um, I get this question a lot. I think it's something that on a very baseline level, I could have used coming into the program. Uh, like I said, I was constantly seeking out upper years who, you know, maybe could provide insight on like, okay, as a person who identifies as this or as a person who identifies as this, when I was in my seeking information stage, so to speak, um, I think this would have really expedited my kind of, um, my ability to, to understand like what the experience in this program might be. But also I saw some of my friends who are coming into the program as incoming students this year posting about Stolen by Smith. And I saw also Stolen by Smith submissions where students were questioning their decision. And I would hate to feel like, like I, I put myself in their shoes for a second. I was like, imagine you're coming into this program and you're seeing this flurry of posts, this barrage of posts that absolutely indict the school in terms of equity and diversity and inclusion, which is a good thing, positive thing. I would encourage that, that um, sharing of stories and experiences, but without context, like without the context of actually being in goods halls, without the context of actually knowing the people who might be working for equity or the people who, you know, who really want to make this space more inclusive for everyone. I think that would really affect me mentally and coming into the program when it's going to be online for the first time in history. I thought like, yo, like there needs to be some kind of baseline of people who are willing to kind of communicate and like propagate like, like a sense of actual welcoming and inclusion um, prior to them coming into the school because with this being their only context, like they could totally choose to disengage. They could become disenfranchised with the program before they even get the chance to be here. At, at the very least, like I think they needed this in the summer. Um, and I knew there was like other programs and other people were starting other things that would go on in like the winter or the fall or, you know, September or whatever. But I thought it was really especially po important that like this be their first baseline of contact with the commerce program because these mentors received training. They, you know, we went through like what was expected of them. We went through like kind of at a very high base level, like I want them to have a friend in the program and I'm hoping that this accomplishes that. And that's why mentors, that's why I feel like mentors were necessary because, you know, like it'll, at least they'll know that, you know, they're not necessarily going through this to get like alone. Watching this come together. How are you seeing the development of these first years already? I think that's a really cool seat to be seeing a, a chunk of COM24 coming in, having a context to school that a lot of people didn't have going in. I myself personally had, had no idea. I was the first one to go to university in Canada. And I think that in itself is, you know, super scary. And, and you come here and then Frosh Week is also kind of, it can be scary, right? And so, Watching this, how is Com24 merging into Queens? Do you think that it's been extremely beneficial? Like, I bet you must be smiling. You know, you're just looking at and you're just, you're ecstatic. What's that been like? The Com24s and get, getting the opportunity to engage with them. Like you said, I must be smiling. I'm grinning ear to ear. And the purpose of that, or the, the reason I say that is because like so many of them are so, like I can, I can honestly say I look up to some of them and I can honestly say that they give me hope and inspire me about what commerce is going to look like in the future. I think we're at a place now where 
you know, they've been told like, it's okay to talk about hard things. It's okay to talk about, you know, your race, your identity, uh, your, like, it, it's, it's becoming like a, no- a more normal conversation for them. And I think that ability to like more freely speak about it, well, a, a lot, put them in a position to be callous for change earlier in their commerce career, but also be like, make them more comfortable. And I'm so excited to see what these people can do with that baseline of comfort, because having like, you know, a couple conversations with a couple of them, like, I think they're incredible people. And I'm so excited for them to like, take this space and make it their own. It's amazing. And so kind of switching gears, but not really, because it's all, all the same work. We've talked about the QT BIPOC mentorship group. And so now let's talk about SVBA. And so SVBA is the first black business association at Smith Queens Commerce. It was formed extremely quickly. First of all, was it hard to mobilize this fast? I mean, do, and for the context of people who don't understand, I guess, how Comsoc works, was it an extremely fast creation of a club, would you say? How was the chaos? Was it? How was creating a club that has never been formed? Honestly, I would say chaotic good. Like, you know, the quadrants where it's like lawful good, like, um, you know, all those things. I, I would describe it as a chaotic good kind of um, environment or, or process um, in that it, it's obviously a lot happening very quickly, um, but it's also been super rewarding and fulfilling for me. Um, it's been for me personally, like a community that, you know, I am really grateful for. And to be, to his credit, Julius actually did lay a lot of the groundwork, do a lot of the due diligence with the process coming into it. So I think he's been working on this since March or something like that. Um, so to his credit, he had put in a lot of the uh, front end work. When I came on, it was like, it was like a very expedient, like, okay, we're here, let's get here. So we're not actually ratified yet, but we are hoping to have our ratification presentation by the end of the month. Next time we speak, we'll be ratified. and. Um, that'll be more official. Our taster event, The Power of Allyship, was very successful in our minds, at least. Um, In terms of our taster event, I don't have specific numbers off the top of my head, but we did have, like, we were very well attended. I I would say it was, like, relatively well engaged with on social media, and I was really happy with how it went. I think the content was, like, strong, but also necessary in this time, and I think I hope people took away, took stuff away from it because I think I did and I really enjoyed it. One of the speakers, Tenille Brown, actually gave this song recommendation, um, I Can't Breathe by her. I hadn't heard it before and it's such a fantastic song. Um, so shout out to her for sharing that song. Part of our mandate, I think, is going to be like externally facing. So engaging with all of commerce and like, you know, like how can you be better allies? Like how can we like improve as a community, that kind of thing. And then part of it's going to be very internal, I think, um, professional development for students, those types of things. Yeah. So what were the conversations like leading up to the creation of SBBA? I really want to, you know, it's like as if I, what really what I'm trying to gauge is like, you know, like those back room, like when they say, I guess the, the situation room in the White House or, you know, what were those conversations like? Is it an energy that's just like exciting and invigorating? Um, was there were there some challenges into this creation at all? Definitely. The day after Smith Black Business Association went live on Instagram. Another group of people created an Instagram page called Smith White Business Association, which I think affected a lot of different people differently. Some people, you know, as a result of that page will experience diminished, a diminished sense of safety because it falls under the umbrella of like white supremacy. That is like a page that is now like 
kind of like it, it's the equivalent of the all lives matter black lives matter on a very reduced scale i guess like like within the microcosm that is the smith community that's what it felt like it's very invalidating and i i know like some students will kind of i can't speak for everyone but everyone will experience that differently personally i saw it as like what we're doing is working i saw it as uh like this is drive this is ambition this is motivation this is like a testament to why we need to exist when you think about that from a baseline level um like we are banding together as sbaba to you know create a, a safe space for ourselves but also for incoming students to signal like you can come here and feel safe and be safe and have this community so i guess for someone to and maybe they didn't understand the context of what we we're trying to do but to you know make that page the next day it did feel invalidating and i think that will always be something that you know drives drives us forward and something that we always remember as a challenge that we faced and kind of overcame i think also one thing that was specific uh significant is like the community responded to that page we didn't and perhaps that's like the biggest testament to like the power of allies because i didn't feel like we were in a place where you know we should personally because the community the outpour of support from the community i think was the the differentiator in that in that time and it made it meant a lot to me personally that like seeing people like outwardly condemn it without me having to because like at that time we were so busy planning for our taster event like i didn't want to have to worry about that so we kept on our own course and kept doing what we were doing to promote allyship and positivity and following the next day we actually really start we, we moved up our promotional schedule to have like the promotional goods around the taster event which was themed about allyship the day after um swba had come live yeah so when you when you pour this amount of time and energy and work into something those challenges can hit hard right like you said the word you used was invalidating to people who face those challenges in whatever passion projects they're pursuing, right? Where they sometimes feel invalidated. What is your advice to them to stay motivated, stay, stay the course? What did you do to get, what did the group do to get past that challenge and that invalidation that you were faced with? I think recognizing a, like for the first time, like their communities, there's groups, like our chat was popping off that night. Everyone was saying their piece. Like everyone kind of like was able to to say that in a in a kind of safe space, and I think that's the point of the club is like, um, like you know we might not all agree about like how to feel about this this the creation of this, and that and that's fine. But like the fact that we can all say it and appreciate one another's perspectives and all like treat each other with like kind of this fundamental love and respect from people within kind of like our own community who can maybe relate to what we're going through more so. So like I would definitely say like find your community, find people you can confide in and trust and, you know, like use them as supports and like also actively seek that out. So connect with people. Like if you, if you're in a position where you like, you know, you're maybe making, you're trying to make moves for equity and, and positive progress and inclusion within the, the program, find other students doing that and like use them as resources, talk to them. There's no, there's no reason to do this alone if you can connect with people. So definitely that sense of community and unity but also I would say use the invalidation as motivation. It, it's indicative that the system is changing when people are kind of frustrated with the status quo being challenged. And I, I like, like no hate to anyone who feels anything right now, but like, I think that might give rise to a lot of really powerful conversations. So for example, if someone does invalidate you and you feel like you have the capacity to talk about that further, maybe talk about why they're uncomfortable with what you're doing 
or why like they feel a need to challenge what you what you're doing and try and illustrate that what you're doing is generally to promote inclusivity and you know positive space so I guess within the context of being involved in equity work, it can be difficult. It can be draining. You have to know when to step back and be like, I need some time. I need some space. But there's a ton of strategies in terms of using your community, using your support, and also like using it, using invalidation as motivation or even like helping that person maybe go further in their allyship journey with like questioning their intentions behind like um, rebuttaling something positive you're trying to do. What opportunities do you believe the creation of SBBA your mentorship program, these initiatives are opening up for students of tomorrow. So as you look at this work that's being done, what are you, where's your mind going? Hey, these opportunities are opening up in this program. And what do you want to tell, you know, the students of tomorrow that you guys are trying to, what are the objectives you're trying to trailblaze for? I think, I think just a baseline comfort level um, within the program and a baseline comfort level talking and speaking to your experiences as a certain identity. I found that like, you know, when people are genuinely interested in learning and hearing from you, I've spoken up about my experiences for the first time kind of this summer. And in some of the contexts in which I've done that, I've realized that, you know, people have reached out to me afterwards and been like, I, I really appreciate that. Like I could have never saw that seen from that perspective unless you had spoken about it. And I think that's something that's hard to kind of cope with is the idea that like, you know, like in, in speaking to your experiences, you could really provide value and benefit to someone who maybe had never thought about things in that frame or that lens before. But you could also be like kind of invalidated by people who, you know, maybe aren't ready to confront. Remember that there's potential for a huge value add when you speak your speak your truth and speak your mind um, as a QT BIPOC student within this program. And I think what I'm trying to do right now is make this a better, safer space for QT BIPOC students in the future. Um, where they can feel comfortable talking about things like that, where they know they have support if they do feel ostracized by or marginalized or diminished by any element of this program and know that they have a friend, know that they have a mentor, know that they have like, you know, a whole community of up years really because the Facebook, the, the mentorship group is, isn't designed to be like, oh, like you're just kind of siloed into a one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one kind of conversation with a mentor, mentee. It's designed to be a community. So I hope people continue to use it throughout the year. Those are the opportunities that you see coming out of this work, you know, creating a safe space for everybody. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I guess, what is your vision for Smith's tomorrow? Better than Smith's today. I think on a, on a baseline that that is super platitude, super cliche. Um, but I'm sure that's something like in terms of a smart goal, I think it's relatively achievable. Um, I don't think it's specific at all. It's not really it's not measurable. measurable. I was yeah. going to say, I think some professors <laughs> would be. Um... So, uh, but I, I think like sometimes in this work, you're going to have to realize the thing that you're aspiring to can't necessarily be measurable. Like I could say like, you know, X percent of the population. Um, and and, and a, a recurring theme in this conversation is like a lack of actionable data. Um, because like people in the space can always assess like, like, okay, these are the problems. These are the pain points. These are the solutions. Um, I think Kate Robotham actually taught me this, someone who's been like an incredible ally and, you know, like a person who I think embodies what it means to be an ally. Maybe there's a lack of actionable data when it comes to equity work. So when you say better than today, people who are actively engaging in the space, allies, you know, people in equity work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think would best be able to speak to this or quantify that because like, they're obviously close, like most close to the ground, but 
Kate Robotham, fantastic, probably the embodiment of what it means to be an ally. Talk, like we spoke about the lack of actionable data and she kind of illustrated to me that like, like it's really going to be hard to get actionable da data around this anytime, anywhere, any space. So you kind of just have to act based on the feelings of people within the community. Um, so the people who are involved in this conversation frequently, the people who are actively involved with um, equity work, like for context, like I would say equity work ate up more time in the summer for me, more time than my full-time job and like a summer course, something I've been extremely involved with. And when I say like, yeah, things have to change or things are going to change. Like I, I mean it and I say it with my chest now because like people in equity work are hyper exposed kind of to the problems. And I think that's something we all have to kind of become more acquainted with that we all have to think more critically about and something that we all have to work towards changing. So my vision, I guess, is that, is that like we all kind of, you know, are more committed to being allies. We all are more committed to, you know, being in equity work. We all are more committed to learning, to educating ourselves, to making this place in inclusive. Like Omar, thank you so much for sitting down with me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a pleasure to see you working in the space, you know, I just even as, uh, as a person of color, uh, to see you working in the space is so encouraging, so inspirational. And I hope that this podcast will inspire others to get into their passion projects, you know, whether it's in EDI, whether it's not, but as long as it's towards the betterment of the future, um, better than Smith, better than Queens today, right? Take it better than the world today. Can we take it to the broadest level, right? Exactly, exactly. I, I think that's that's a really great philosophy. Like if we all if we all woke up in the morning and we're like, yo, let's better the world at least a little bit, and everyone did that a little bit every day, I think that would have like that would pay a massive dividends. Um, and from that lens and perspective, I, I love that philosophy taken to its broadest. Yeah, Omar, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Yeah, thanks for sharing your story. Thank you for having me, Sebastian. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to Goods Conversations. Here at Goods Conversations, we like to listen to the members of our community. If you feel like you would be a good fit for our podcast, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook to find out more ways how you can get involved. You're listening to Spotlight on Goods Conversations.